And that's a wrap on training camp inside State Farm Stadium. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Zach Gershman joins me. The Cardinals held their final practice in the stadium on Wednesday. Training camp, though, is not quite over. Still two more weeks to go, one week in Tempe, one week in Minnesota. We'll also look ahead to Friday's preseason opener. What do we want to see? Who do we want to see? That's all straight ahead. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 661, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, one heart, one threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. Hate to begin this show on a down note, and it's not because we have young Zach on the show, but we did get news on Wednesday, and you always hate when this happens, but it is a part of the game, it's part of football, an injury. And we saw on Tuesday running back Marlon Mack have to be helped to the sideline, hurt during seven-on-seven, seven, appeared to lose his footing, slipped perhaps, but we got word from head coach Jonathan Gannon that it is a torn Achilles and Mac, just like that, Zach, he was signed late last week. And now five days later, his season is done before we're really even into September. Yeah, and it was, a, it was a shame because we spoke to him his first day practicing. And he said how he was so excited. This is the opportunity that he wanted to take advantage of. We asked him about his feet being like how he was really how he was pretty fresh compared to some of the guys that have been going through the training camp process and he said like you could sense it a little bit but as you mentioned it's the it's the unfortunate part of the game and you could clearly tell that Jonathan Gannon was upset about it uh didn't want to say the news but obviously had to he looked so good talking about Mac during the red, red and white practice and it was as you mentioned mm-hmm. the fresh legs but just that burst and he's got that veteran experience he has the ties to JG and offensive line coach Clayton Adams going back to their time in Indianapolis I was hopeful and optimistic that you know James Connors RB1 and then behind him you know, do you rely on Corey Clement? Is it Keontae Ingram? Is it someone else? I always thought that they were going to bring in another running back at some point mm-hmm. in training camp just because of reps and how much the starters will play during the preseason. But to get an opportunity, you've been waiting all off season, summer, and then all of a sudden you get that opportunity and you make a strong first impression and then boom. It's done just like that. And it literally happens just like that, just with the snap of a finger. Something unfortunate like what happened with Mac could potentially happen. And we were talking about the RB2 battle. We know who RB1 is. It's James Conner. There's no there's no question surrounding that. But whether it was going to be Corey or Keontae, that's what we were talking about at these press conferences with Drew Petzing and with Jonathan Gannon, who's standing out. And obviously both of them did not really give any – clear answers but once Marlon Mack jumped into the room the conversation shifted a little bit it's about the impact that a veteran as you mentioned who has familiarity with the staff could come in and make an impact and as you mentioned Craig he was making an impact within the first two three days that he was on the field and unfortunately that one practice 
and it unfortunately happened to him. Yeah, we wish nothing but the best for Marlon Mack. All right, let's do a whole 180 and bring some positivity here to Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai Proud, partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And that is something that we did see on Wednesday, the final open practice, the final practice here at State Farm Stadium. And that was seen number 85, tight end Trey McBride, participates in a full practice for the first time since July 27th. Now, it was a low-tempo yeah. practice after the high-intensity padded practice on Tuesday. But the fact that McBride is out there going through everything, the individual position drill, 7-on-7, seven 11-on-11, seven, 11 11, we had not seen a lot of teamwork from McBride, but there he was going through it. And again, low tempo, so it's about, what would you say, half speed, quarter yeah, he speed? He still got bumped. He yes. still got bumped when he was playing, when they were doing the seven-on-seven drills and he was running his routes in. Trey McBride was on the side majority of training camp thus far doing individual drills, as you mentioned, with the tight ends coach and within the, with the fellow tight ends as well. He was on the side, and then once they would come together and run drills on the field, 7-on-7, seven 11-on-11, seven, 11 11, we would not see number 85 on the field. And on Tuesday, we saw him a little bit on the field for 7-on-7s, seven was on the field for a play or two for 11-on-11s, 11 and as you mentioned, today on Wednesday was really that first day where we saw Trey McBride all holds bar, ready to go. And it's important, I think, for McBride to be on the field, whether it's practice, preseason. He needs the reps more so now because of the time he's missed. But the uncertainty with Zach Ertz, and if you want to run two, three tight end sets during the course of the season, you're going to need tight ends. Trey McBride, Jeff Swaim. And now the question is, all right, if Ertz is not available, who becomes that third tight end, that fourth tight end yeah. perhaps, because we've seen it throughout training camp here. You're seeing two tight ends, three tight ends, a tight end in the backfield as a blocking fullback. It is a major piece of this offense. And then to lose Ertz, McBride, Swain missed a handful of practices. So did Noah Tuggeye. Yeah, and he we did also. not see him now for the third straight day. Mm -hmm. And he's someone that really impressed. So that tight end room has kind of been up and down, but a – to end on a positive note with McBride being on the field, I think hopefully means good things. It hopefully does, and it's funny because I was reading one of Darren Urban's articles, and he talked about a conversation he had with Noah Togiai, and he was saying how Blake Whitehart, the rookie, would come back to the sidelines just drenched in sweat because they're rotating these tight ends on every single play, and it's not just one tight end. As you mentioned, you have that two, three tight end formation. They are heavily involved in the offense, and that's why with the addition of Jeff Swaim, you could clearly see the impact he was making from when he first got into practice. And J.G. spoke about it in his, post con uh, in his press conference prior to practice the day after, I believe, he was signed. And he said Jeff Swain was right in the thick of it. But once you have a guy like Trey McBride who is becoming healthy as the tight ends are starting to get, have their little nicks, Trey McBride's coming in at the right time. He's getting healthy at the right time. What, act what type of impact he has on Friday's game, that's TBD. But at least we could see that he's making an effort in getting back into practice. You bring up Friday's preseason opener, the Denver Broncos in town. 7 p.m. is the kickoff here at State Farm Stadium. 3.30 pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. We asked. We have repeatedly asked. Several follow-up questions as well. But J.G. not saying anything as far as who will play, who won't play, how long they will play. He was asked specifically about Colt McCoy, and he did say he will play on Friday. Outside of that, I really don't know what to expect. I'm hopeful that we see 
everyone, barring an injury, participate in at least a series or two. But I'm curious how this coaching staff operates preseason football. And that's the unknown. I guess that's the beauty of this sport. No one knows. The Broncos don't know. The people in the office don't know. It's really the guys on that field that know kind of what's going on. And JG has spoke about how we explain what we're doing, why we're doing it, and how we're doing it. And the guys in the, in the wigwam reading room, they're all together. They're the ones that know what's going on, and they're keeping it very tight to their vest, making sure that nobody else knows. JG's not interested in leaking any sort of strategy to give the Broncos any sort of advantage. And he said, somebody asked him during the press conference on, th- on Wednesday, they said to him, doesn't matter, win, lose, or draw, it's a preseason game. And he said, anytime you strap up the helmet and you go between those white lines, you got to be prepared to win a football game. Quote, that's the number one goal, end quote. And that's the philosophy that JG has when it comes to any kind of football, to your point, Zach. And we did hear from Hollywood Brown after practice. He wants to play at some point in Mm -hmm. the preseason. Quote, I want to get some reps, build chemistry. He added that he is as healthy as he's ever been in the preseason. And the amount of work that we have seen him do on the sideline, working with wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator Drew Terrell, just on footwork and route running, while special teams activities are going on. Those two are communicating, and then you see Drew go through some movement, and then Hollywood goes through the same movement, obviously a little bit higher tempo than his coach. (laughs) But those two, I think, have formed a nice bond, and you hope now that, again, how quickly can you get off the line of scrimmage? That first step, first step and a half, can be the difference between a 10-yard catch and yak, or a 10-yard catch, and you're tackled right on the spot. And especially with a guy like Hollywood Brown, who's known for his speed, getting off that line and making those quick movements, that's his game. That's why he's been such a dominant player in the NFL. It's why he's been such a sought-after player. It's why he's got the nickname Hollywood that Gus Johnson gave him, because of the speed, the excitement that he brings to an offense. And Hollywood was saying, regardless if it's going to be this game against the Broncos, the following against the Chiefs, whichever way – he could get it done. He's going to try to get onto the field. He did mention that he hasn't spoken to the coaching staff about whether he will or will not get onto the field for this coming Friday's game. But we know that he's eager. He's chopping at the bit because he wants to go out there. And we talked a little bit about Colt McCoy. He said that a big part of it is building the relationship with your quarterbacks. We know the type of friendship he has with Kyler Murray off the field. But to see the type of relationship he needs to build with Colt McCoy, if Colt McCoy will be the game one starter against Washington, he's got to build that connection with him. Same with same with the rookie, Clayton Toon. I, by the way, I don't buy anything that these players have said when they are asked about playtime and the fact that they don't know, they know. They know. JG knows. They're just choosing not to, not to share. inform us. Exactly. They're not, they're not being friendly as far as sharing. They're being mm-hmm. very selfish, very tongue-in-cheek. Greg, I was I always that. told secrets are no fun unless they're shared with everyone. And honestly, th- this, has not been, this is not fun. <laughs> JG, I got to know what's going on. <laughs> Do not know how much the starters will play. Don't know who will or will not play. But again, I hope that we see at least a series, meaning an extended series from the first team offense and defense where it's seven, eight, nine, ten plays, or it's, if it is a quick three and out, four and out, that we see them for two series. Just to kind of get your feet wet, knock the rust off, do we get a sense of what this offense will look like? 
What about the defense? Based off what we've seen in training camp, now in a game setting where all eyeballs are on it, do we get more of an idea of what this team will look like? I would, you would hope so. You would hope that that's the case. And everybody that we have spoken to has talked about the excitement of playing against somebody that's not wearing the red and white jersey. They want to go against different sorts of competition, especially in the trenches. We talked with Yeldefro Holt yesterday when he was in his locker, and he said, you know, it was getting a little bit chippy out there because the defense knows what we want to do. The offense knows what the defense wants to do. Getting the opportunity to play against other talent. That's what you're looking forward to. So when it comes to Friday's game and the future games, that's what you're going to be hoping for. When it comes to the snaps, all these guys want to be on the field. Everyone's fighting for a roster spot. We know who's got a roster spot, but JG has said that there's competition at every single position on the on the gridiron. So whether it's going to be a Hollywood Brown or a Greg Dorch or a Davion Davis, whoever it might be, somebody is trying to get that roster spot and get their reps in. Before we get into specific players, a couple other points of emphasis, at least that I'll have my eye on for this first game. One, it's the physicality. How well are these players tackling? It's hard to practice tackling during practice, but now you're going to be tackling to the ground, and that is a little bit of an adjustment. The other is the communication, the operation, not just the communication between quarterback or middle linebacker to his teammates, but from the sideline to the players, from the booth to the yeah. sideline to the players. How does that all work where you have 23 new assistant coaches and 48 new players on this team? It's not going to be the same team that left State Farm Stadium last year. This is a completely different team from the top down, all the way from your general manager to your equipment guys, everybody in between. There's a lot of new faces on this roster. And, Craig, you mentioned the the communication aspect of it, and that's something that offensive coordinator Drew Petzing talked about, how this is his first time calling an offense. It's Nick Rawls' first time calling a defense. JG's giving them the, the keys. You take over. He's going to be there to help, as he said, but – you take over. It's your offense. It's your defense to call. And Petting talked about how he's not sure if he's going to prefer to go from the booth or from the sidelines. He's going to be using this preseason time to really gauge how that's going to be. There's going to be lapses of judgment that happen. It's, it's a given. We would be naive if we said otherwise. But as long as the penalties are cleared up a little bit, because we've seen a lot of that through training camp, a lot of pre-snap penalties, a lot of false starts, and offsides penalties, as long as that's cleared up, you're starting to to get your bearings under your a little bit. Yeah, too many penalties in the red and white practice. False starts. It was consistent. Holding, ineligible man downfield, a lot on the offense and the offensive line. Look, I'm okay with the physical penalties that happen, sometimes a hold or pass interference, the aggressiveness of the game itself. It's the pre and post-snap penalties that are unnecessary, uncalled for, unacceptable, and can really hurt a team on either side of the ball. And a, ref- and a group of referees went to the wigwam and they spoke to the team about what's allowed, what's not allowed, and they spoke to the head coaching, they, they spoke to the coaching staff as well. And I asked JG, I go, did you learn anything through speaking with these referees? And he said, don't challenge this play because it's, gonna get, it's not going to get overturned or whatever it might be. And the fact that the penalties are there when it's just you and your own guys. There's no opposing crowd booing you. Your crowd's not here as loud as it could be. 
The pre-snap penalties are definitely a cause of concern, but we are only in week two, week three of training camp. They're going to clear it up, but you got to clear it up between now and Friday and then take what you what you get from Friday's game against Denver, bring it on to the next. As the head coach likes to say, it's not winning behavior. Nope. Very frowned upon. All right. You leave a water bottle at the podium, it's not winning <laughs> that's, behavior. That's true. He's even cleaning the place up. That's how involved the head coach is. All right, as we continue to look and preview what's ahead, at least from the Arizona Cardinals side of things, the Denver Broncos, at least according to their head coach, Sean Payton, the starters will play. That includes Russell Wilson, probably in the area from 15 to 18 snaps. We'll see what happens Friday at 7 p.m. All right, specifically players, whether that is – a group of players in a specific position group, or just single out a player. First time out on the football field, who do you have your eye on? I, I'm going to go on both sides of the ball here. I'm going to go one on the offense. you got to keep an eye out for Paris Johnson Jr. You want to see how the first-round pick is going to deal with a different sort of strength coming at you. As I mentioned prior to this, you could start to gain the tendencies of your defensive line when you compete against them so much. Yes, they're making each other better, but now you have somebody that's not necessarily interested in making you better. You have somebody that wants to get to the quarterback and get to Colt McCoy or get to Clayton Toon or Jeff Driscoll or David Blau. You have somebody that's going to want to get to the back there and make those tackles. How Paris Johnson matches up against a defensive line that he's not used to, that's the number one player on the offensive side of the ball I'm most interested in. On the defensive side of the ball, Dennis Gardick has taken a completely different role. He's been, he's been number one on the depth chart for the most part on one of those outside linebacker spots. He has gotten the best of Paris Johnson Jr. a handful of times throughout camp. He wants to make a name for himself. The previous couple seasons have not gone to his liking. He's been more of a special teams role. Now he has the opportunity to use the, the violent physicality and strength of an outside linebacker to try to get to a quarterback. For Gardeck, it was 2020. So we're talking three seasons. three seasons ago. Seven sacks over 94 defensive snaps. Now, was that a one-off? And Gardeck has talked about that in the past as well. He knows people are wondering, can he do it again? Or was that just a flash in the pan? So, yeah, Gardeck, how quickly. And it's not so much, all right, he didn't record a sack in the preseason. But are you affecting the play? Are you getting mm -hmm. into the backfield? Are you forcing that quarterback off his spot? You want to be able to see that from him and that entire edge rushing group because we've talked about it. 36 sacks last season. Half of those, they're gone. They're gone. J.J. Watt retired. Zach Allen, you're going to see him on Friday on the other, on side, other side of the field, leaving to the Denver Broncos in free agency. So I like the two names and just because i cheated i didn't single anyone out come on but you bring up paris johnson i'm just going to include the entire rookie class just the draft picks and specifically paris clayton toon a lot of talk everyone loves the backup quarterback mm -hmm. michael wilson and keytrail clark and michael wilson has certainly flashed and john gaines Good call. Yes. He's been moving either from center or guard, working with that second team. So that entire draft class, I think, we still don't know about Garrett Williams. Dante Stills, a day three pick. I think they all can have their moments, if you will, this preseason and be contributors in the regular season. But can Paris block the edge, as DJ Humphreys likes to say? Can Clayton Toon? manufacture a drive, complete some passes 
run an offense. Michael Wilson, is he catching the ball like he did in training camp? And Keytrail Clark, who has – there might not be a more camera-friendly player on this team than number 13, Keytrail Clark. Very enthusiastic, but also very competitive, and I think is anxious to show that, yeah, day three pick, but can still be a viable and very dangerous cornerback in the league. And he's competing against guys like Zach Paschal, Hollywood Brown, Michael Wilson, guys that are going to be a part of your starting unit come the game against Washington. He wants to prove himself that he was the steal of the draft. I know Michael Wilson in his video said that he was the steal of the draft. The guys that were drafted in the later rounds, they want to show their worth, that they're not what is perceived to be a late right round draft pick. They want to make sure that they're able to come in and make an impact on a 53-man roster. And Keytrail Clark has been doing that throughout training camp, and we've seen his personality show. You can see he's having fun playing the game. I know we were watching him dance for about five or six minutes on the on the field during during drills. He's having fun doing it, and JG has talked about for a guy like him who's played a position that JG has put so much energy and effort into throughout his coaching career, he wants to see a guy like Keytrail improve. I was videotaping the pre-practice team stretch, and I panned over, and on our sideline where we were standing is where the defense, we get the up-close view of the defense, and I just happened to pan over and just kind of set the camera there for a little bit, and there is 13 coming back and starts waving. (laughs) Couldn't tell if he had a smile on his face. I'm sure he did. He He always has a smile on his face. But Keytrail Clark is one of those good guys that you hope that you can root for and hope are successful, at least selfishly from a media standpoint. But there's a lot of players on that rookie class, draft class, that have been very, very good with the media. Michael Wilson Mm -hmm. specifically, very, very good. So one thing to be good off the field, but you only get to talk to us off the field if you're good on On the the field. field. Yeah, and I was talking with Dennis Daly yesterday about – the offensive line having the rookies with Paris Johnson Jr. and John Gaines II in and bringing them in as personalities. And he was saying, Paris is an outgoing guy. He's talking to everybody on the line. John Gaines as well. They're starting to integrate themselves, not just on the field, but off the field. It's been well documented so far, the type of uh, food that Paris Johnson and John Gaines have had to get for the offensive line, the sort of I don't want to call it the freshman initiation, but it's the rookie. It's bringing in the rookies. Rookie duties. Rookie duties, exactly. And not only are they doing that to make the vets happy, but these vets are starting to take them under their wing. When these drills are going on on the field, you see guys like DJ Humphreys bringing them over and giving them those pieces of advices to say, hey, here's what you got to do so that we've had years of experience in the league. We're going to bestow that onto you. Two other players that I want to talk about here as far as, again, depending on how much they play, because if you're only getting four or five snaps, it's hard to determine where they are in their development. Mm -hmm. But two players that are going to be talked a lot about this entire year, Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons. Brand new position for Zayvon. Isaiah, deep safety, not so much a brand new position, but new in the sense that that's his focus as opposed to bouncing around and being at different parts being at different points on the football field but as they say the lights are on cameras are rolling how do you respond how do you look is Zayvon Collins coming off the line quick is he getting beat is he getting pushed back and then for Isaiah is he where he's supposed to be the last line of defense 
Is he making sure that no one is getting behind him? So pay attention, Bird Gang, to those two players specifically, part of those quote-unquote veterans, if you will, but still young and maybe a little bit unknown, especially what they're being asked to do this season. Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons, 25 and number nine. Pay attention to them. And JG has talked about wanting to have Isaiah play that deep center field safety role. He compared it to his time playing baseball and compared it to his time on the track and field, Isaiah Simmons, that is. And he said that that's where he's most comfortable at. And when the coaching staff came in, they asked him, and he appreciated this. They asked him, where do you want to play? And he said back there, and JG said, hey, if that's where you want to play and if it works best for you and it works best for the team, you're going to be back there. And so far throughout training camp, we've seen him come from that high safety blitz and coming right into the box. And somebody asked him if he's going to miss hitting somebody. He said, I saw Buddha and JT make a lot of hits last year. I know that I'm going to be able to get my fair share of hits. And from the uh, Zayvon Collins standpoint that you mentioned, I was standing on the sidelines yesterday with Dave Pash, and we were talking a little bit. And obviously, Craig, I was going to bring up my Penn State connection one way or another. <laughs> but he compared it to – Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons in college played that middle linebacker, that Mike linebacker spot. Once he came to the NFL, they moved him to the edge, to that outside linebacker spot, and we see the type of impact Micah Parsons is making on the Dallas Cowboys. Zayvon Collins has a similar opportunity going for more of that coverage, save, I mean, that coverage linebacker spot, going to the edge and trying to get to the quarterback, and we've spoken plenty of times about the work he and Coach Rodriguez have been putting in and it's starting to show as we've expanded to the seven on seven, as we have expanded to the eleven on eleven drills. We've seen Zayvon Collins dropping back in coverage, but we have also seen him getting to the quarterback. Don't get lost on that football field. Know what you're supposed to do, and then go out and do it. And that's true of all 91 players on this roster. And if you want to know where certain players are on that depth chart, as opposed to what is released in the weekly game release. Focus on special teams, who's on coverage units, who's on kickoff, punt return, field goal, especially that first unit, because if you are maybe not a starter, but a rotation player and you're on special teams, okay, now you've made yourself valuable. Now you can do more than just one thing. You're going to be active on game day. You're going to be one of those 53 and hopefully one of those 48 that dresses out on Sundays. Special teams can be an uh, can be a window into what this roster potentially could look like at the end of August. You want to show your versatility, and you want to show, the, as you mentioned, the value component of it. If you're good at one thing, that's great. But when you want to help a team, you got to be willing to do anything. And I'm putting together a story that, you're, that the fans back at home are going to see on azcardinals.com about Davion Davis and Caden Davis, not related at all, but two of the same last name. And their time in the USFL, but I was talking with Davion in the, in the locker room, and I said to him, like, when it comes to this game on Friday, what do you want to do? What do you have to do to make sure that you have a spot on this team? And he said, obviously, it's going to be on the punt return and kick return side. He's, going to, he's on the depth chart for that. But he said if he's got to take out the trash every morning before getting onto the field in order to make this team, he's going to be willing to do that. So I'm not going to compare taking out the trash to your – uh, opportunities on special teams, but it's really showing what you're able to do and that you're not just one-dimensional. Davion Davis, a little bit older, a little bit more experienced than Caden, and this past offseason was with the USFL champion Birmingham Stallions. Caden was with the USFL Michigan Panthers. Last season, he was on the Broncos practice squad under the connection for Friday's game, but two players that I don't think both with the opportunity to make the team 
maybe one, and then the other winds up on the practice squad yeah. as more of a development for this team. And then when needed, if needed, during the course of the season, I've been impressed just because I've seen number 10 on that football field a lot special teams, punt return, and then during the course of the offense as well, second, third team reps, mainly third team reps. But if you can, one, as Jeff Rogers talked about on punt return, possess the football, catch the football. That is first and foremost. And then whatever you do after that as far as trying to move the football up the field to get better field position for the offense, that's almost a bonus at this point in special teams. Yeah, you want to give your offense a chance to get the best field position possible. But in order to get them that field position, you've got to possess the ball. And there can't be any careless errors on the punt return side of things or on the kickoff return side of things. Although we've seen a lot of Greg Dorch back there on the kickoff returns as well, along with Davion Davis. But one way or the other, one, they're both trying to fight for their spot on the team. Davion Davis, as you mentioned, the ball seems to find him. I'm not sure if as Cardinals fans are just used to seeing number 10 getting the ball, but seeing this number 10 getting the ball on the field, it, it's the ball seems to find him one way or another. You mentioned that's a story coming up on azcardinals.com. You also have the battle at left guard, Elijah Wilkinson, Dennis Daly, Probably the only true competition right now along that offensive line. They've been rotating. Mainly, however, it has been Wilkinson who's been consistently that first-team guard. And then sometimes you see Daly sprinkled in. But you've got that update coming up on azcardinals.com. Yes, both of them have had 36 career starts. Both of them are not a natural left guard for Elijah Wilkinson, he's had nine starts on the left guard side of the ball. He had all nine of them came with the Atlanta Falcons last season. So he's coming in with some experience. He said it's a lot of it's focusing on the little details, the technique, your hand placement. For Dennis Daly, he comes from the Tennessee Titans where he has that connection with Monty Ossenfort. But he was on the tackle side of the ball. He wasn't on the left guard side of the ball. He has five career starts out of his 36 at left guard. He's still trying to get into the mix. Whatever way it is, he's trying to get into the mix. You know you have him as a potential backup tackle spot on both sides of the ball, whether it's for Paris, whether it's for DJ Humphreys. You have that experience and that versatility from Dennis Daly. But when it comes to the left guard, Elijah Wilkinson has him beat by a few games and so far has had a majority of the first team reps. Last season, Wilkinson started nine games at left guard, missed five games on IR with a knee injury, and then set out the last two games with a calf injury. So when healthy, he has been a starting left guard. For Daly, he was kind of pushed to that tackle spot last season with the Titans because of injuries around him. But probably a little bit more experience to play the guard position, can play tackle when needed, wasn't great last season with the Titans. According to Pro Football Focus, he allowed a league-high 12 sacks and 52 pressures. But again, injuries at that spot forced Daly to play tackle. I think for both of those, mm -hmm. more likely to see their, see their time in the interior, specifically at one of the guard spots. And they're big bodies as well. You want to get those big bodies on the on the inside of the line. You know you have a reliable left tackle in DJ Humphreys. On the blind side, he is as uh, he is as strong as one could be. And on the right side, we've talked about him already, Paris Johnson Jr. You have that sort of skill set from him. To put a big body on the interior side of the ball, you have Will Her oh, you have Will Hernandez as right guard, and then on the left guard, that competition, as you mentioned. But Elijah Wilkinson, 
when he was healthy, was doing a pretty solid job with the Atlanta Falcons. Now he comes over here to this team, a new offensive system with a first-time play caller in Drew Petzing. He said it's been a good transition so far. It's nothing that he's unfamiliar with, but it's focusing on the little details, the minor details, as I mentioned, the technique, the hand placement, the footwork that people back at home might overlook, but for a guy on the inside of the line are very crucial. Wilkinson, 6'6", 322, Daly, 6'6", 326. So, yeah, that's, that's a lot of beef up front. And, again, all protecting whomever the quarterback is going to be during the preseason and then in the regular season. Hopefully we do see number one on that football field quicker rather than later. But who knows when Kyler Murray might be available. He'll be a spectator on the sideline on Friday, just as you and I will be, though we'll be up in the press box. Are you ready? for your first preseason NFL game? I don't even know. I, I, I really don't. I'm going into this like, listen, we have the nine rookies. I'm like the 10th in the draft class. <laughs> I, I don't know if I, I'd give you full rookie uh, status. Maybe we'll just make you an honorary rookie. I'll take it. 9.5. An honorary anything is still an honor. <laughs> but I, I'm I'm very excited for it. I'm excited to see the, the Red Sea kind of rise up, as they like to say here, and see the fans out in full force. And I recognize that it is a preseason game, that it's not going to be what we're going to expect week two when the Giants come into town. But listen, football is football, and I'm excited for it. It is here coming up on Friday. 7 p.m. is the kickoff. 3.30 pregame coverage begins here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Preseason opener against the Denver Broncos. The following week, Cardinals will once again be at home, a Saturday game against the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, but more on that later. Let's just first focus on this preseason opener. Again, 7 p.m. is the kickoff, 3.30 pregame coverage begins, and then, of course, we'll be back and talk all about it following the coming days, or I should say, in the coming days after Friday. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Amahadro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Zach Gershman, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.